Hello, and thank you for listening to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast of Vineyard Church right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can check out our website for more information about our church or find our audio archive with all of our previous messages at www.vineyardchurch.us. You can also subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. And our scripture reading today comes from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. So in verse 1, it says, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Father, thank you for this room, and I thank you for these people. And um, yeah, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would be, we believe that your Spirit is here. I just ask that you would wake us up to the presence of your Spirit this morning. Um, We thank you that uh, you have been in the business of uh, showing up here, and so uh, we just ask for eyes to see that this morning. Uh, thank you um, for who you are, what you do in us, and uh, what you allow us to be a part of when we're together. So we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, all right, so uh, we, for the next few weeks, are going to be taking a second look at uh, a sermon series that we did this spring, kind of late winter, early spring, that I loved. And based on comments from you guys, it seemed like you really resonated with two uh, called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality is based on a series of books by a guy named Pete Scazzaro. Uh, And um, I meant to bring my books up here so you can see they're like raggedy and worn because they're books I actually use in in my life. They are um, uh, some uh, resources that have led me back to Jesus over and over and over again um, and set me free in a lot of places in my life. So I hope the same is true for you. Um, It's been a long time since March or April, though, 
Uh, and we have uh, lots of new folks who haven't been here, so uh, we weren't here in March and April. So um, I just want to give you sort of like a, a mini refresher, mini rundown of, of uh, why we're talking about emotionally healthy spirituality, why it matters to us here at Vineyard Springbrook. Um, and here's why. I think it matters to us because I think at times uh, in the church we have been sold kind of a false story that says uh, coming to church and reading our Bibles and praying, these things are things we do to follow Jesus. Jesus, and they're the things that we do to become a better person. Um, and I just think that there's a better story to following Jesus than just coming to church, reading your Bible, and praying. And, and those, I think those are good things. Um, I just don't think they're the whole story. Uh, I have gone to church my whole life, um, as long as I remember, and um, I have known dozens, if not more, of people who go to church every time the doors are open and read their Bibles and pray and are actually really terrible people. Anyone else? <laughs> um, do you have this? Maybe you didn't grow up in church, but um, maybe for you it's the Christian that you work with who talks a lot about Jesus and also a lot about everybody else in the office. Or um, the, 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 the Christian you go to school with or however you experience people who, um, or maybe that you work with that's also a really lazy worker and everybody else has to cover their stuff or things like that. Um, uh, the idea that, that these things equate being a good person uh, isn't even really a story that the Bible tells. Um, it doesn't tell the story of church attendance and Bible reading equating good people. Paul, who wrote our text today, is a great example. Um, before he had this like wild and radical experience with the Holy Spirit, um, he did all of the things. Church, Bible, reading, praying. And he also actively murdered Christians at the same time. So um, are you with me? This is, this is We've known terrible people uh, who have uh, professed the same things maybe you profess now. Um, and, and, and it's a little bit confusing. <laughs> Like, how is that possible? How uh, can you follow Jesus and be a terrible person? And I think, um, or how is it possible that the lady in your office uh, does all kinds of Christian things and then stays uh, terrible in all kinds of ways? And I think it's this. I think it's because uh, there's a reality that our spiritual health cannot outpace our emotional health. Like, spiritual health and emotional health, they are inextricably tied uh, together. When the Bible talks about humanity, when it talks about us, um, it doesn't just talk about us as just spirit. Uh, when the Bible talks about us, we're not just spirit or soul, uh, which is often, I think, taught in churches. Um, but instead, when the Bible talks about us, uh, uh, we're talked about as body, soul, and mind. We're talked about in the physical, the spiritual, and the emotional, completely connected and yet uh, individually requiring care and practice and work and check-ins. Uh, for example, um, my spiritual life can absolutely inform my physical life. It does. They are tied together. But my physical life requires attention and care and practice and work in the same way my spiritual life was. Um, I, I've used this example before, but basically uh, memorizing books of the Bible, that can give me a theology, it can shape my view of God and the world, but it cannot give me Michelle Obama arms, which is all I want in the world. <laughs> are those arms, <laughs> and I've tried, and that doesn't do the things. I really wish it could, um, but the truth is we are a whole person. Uh, our parts inform each other, and they empower each other, and they all require attention, and they all require nurturing and work and intention. So um, kind of our thesis for this series over the next few weeks is this idea that our spiritual life cannot outpace our emotional life. Um, 
And on that idea, something that comes up a lot in emotionally healthy spirituality, or if you're familiar with Pete Scazzaro and his work, um, and it's an idea that I think will come up a lot over the next couple of weeks in this series, is the idea of Sabbath. The idea of an intentional slowing down for rest, for recovery, for quiet. There is a lot of conversation um, in and around emotionally healthy spirituality on the benefits of Sabbath uh, to our spirits, in the benefits of Sabbath to our minds to quiet down, and the benefits of Sabbath to our bodies. Um, and so as I w- was thinking about uh, and writing a sermon um, particular to the practice of Sabbath, uh, my mind started to shift a little bit about what we do in this room on Sunday mornings, uh, which is part of the practice of Sabbath. Um, It's what I call church, but we've really been trying, Chad has been leading us in this, we've really been trying to switch our words around um, and to call what we do in this morning like a gathering or a service, because as Chad reminds us a lot, um, you can't go to something you already are. Like we are the church, uh, so we go to a service, we go to a gathering. But honestly, old habits died hard, so I'm probably going to call it church over and over again today. But, um, which speaking of, side note, our church is six years old today. Happy birthday, us. Yeah. We're going to kindergarten. (laughs) That's a big deal. Yeah, amazing. It feels like both one year and 2,000. So (laughs) especially the last two years, I think, count as 10. So we'll just say we're 15. Um, What is it, 16? (laughs) Good at math. Okay, back on. Back to it. Um, My thoughts uh, about Sabbath uh, led me to think about what we do here in this gathering uh, on Sunday mornings and how this has been... um, for lack of a better word, a really weird season for Sunday gatherings, right? Uh, The last couple of years, uh, statistically in the church, church attendance is lower than it has been um, in forever. Uh, Barna Research says one in three practicing Christians have stopped attending church in the last year and a half. That's true around here. That's true nationally. It's just a thing. And and I think there's a lot of reasons for this, Um, I think for plenty of people, um, it is because of some really gnarly things that the church has done and said, both local and Big C Church, uh, or things that the church has been about. And I absolutely think this is true, and I do not want to gloss over this in any way. Um, I just think that's something we talk about pretty regularly here, and I know we talk about over dinner tables or coffee tables or things like that. Um, But that's a whole lot of us who have really struggled with the church, Big C or local, and that kind of informs whether or not... We want to show up. It's a tough one. That one makes a lot of sense to me. Um, Another reason is definitely COVID. Um, I've been trying to write a sermon where I don't say the word COVID for a while, but it just fit in. Um, That's a really reasonable reason. Like around here, we have plenty of folks who um, I I was laughing with Johnny this morning about I get a lot of texts on Sunday morning. They're like, I'm still in. I still love our church. I'm immunocompromised or I'm caring for someone who's immunocompromised. And, And that is COVID is absolutely still a reason folks maybe aren't quite ready to return on Sundays. But the reason I really want to talk about today in the view of emotionally healthy spirituality is that um, in my conversations with you all, with people everywhere, is is I think part of our struggle with uh, showing up to a Sunday gathering like we used to is really because we are exhausted. You? We're exhausted. I was reading an article in The Atlantic uh, this week. That makes me sound way smarter than I was. I was reading a normal person article that referred to The Atlantic, and I clicked on it. Um, But it's this guy (laughs) named um, Dan Singer, and he talked about what it was like to be a parent this year. And I I just want to read you a quote that will make you laugh or cry or laugh so you don't cry. Um, 
He says this, he says this, the past year, he says, it's enough to bring a parent to tears, except that every parent I know ran out of them a long time ago. I know I did. Ran out of tears, ran out of energy, ran out of patience. Through these grinding 18 months, we have managed our kids' lives as best we could while abandoning our own. It was unsustainable then, it's unsustainable now, and no matter what fresh hell this year brings, it is still unsustainable. Parents aren't even at a breaking point anymore, we're broken. And yet, we'll go on because that's what we do. We sweep all of our pieces and we put them back together as best we can. We carry on chipped and leaking and broken because we have no other choice. And we pray that if we can just keep going, our kids will survive too. Welcome to church. (laughs) Feel good, feel good quote. And it's not just parents, that's just what this article was talking about. You can find article in every way, articles in every way, shape, or form saying we as a people are exhausted. It's everywhere, all walks of life. And so if we're talking about being a whole person, uh, then I have a hunch that at least one part of you, if not all three parts of you, are just tired. You are physically tired and or emotionally tired and or probably most likely of all spiritually tired exhausted. Uh, And so um, I think as we talk about emotionally healthy spirituality and seeing our relationship with Jesus through the lens of being a whole person, I think it's really honoring to both ourselves and to the Lord to own those places of exhaustion, uh, to own them inside of us and to own them outside of us. It is a good and emotionally healthy thing to find a way to be honest about where we are as we start to talk about Sabbath. Uh, Pete Scazzaro, again, the author of emotionally healthy spirituality. When, when he talks about Sabbath, he uses the, uh, an analogy of a snowstorm uh, that I think he actually stole from the author and activist Parker Palmer, if you're familiar with him. Um, but So here in Tennessee, we don't really have snowstorms like he talks about. For the most part, our biggest risk of snowstorm is that we're going to run out of bread and milk or we can't get, find any at the grocery store. Or your biggest risk in a snowstorm is that I'm driving. I, I would not, I'm not what you would call classically trained in either driving or snow driving. So <laughs> that loud laughter is my dad who taught me to drive, also unclassically trained. <laughs> it, but in the mid, is anyone from the Midwest? Have any Midwesterners? Okay, so in the Midwest, there are actual, there's these actual snowstorms, um, something we could only dream about, um, like crazy snowstorms, blizzards so crazy that one of, um, that the, the, there's a real threat to Midwestern farmers um, that they would leave their house to go to the barn and then not be able to find their way back to the house. That's what kind of snow we're talking about. Not that they wouldn't be able to find bread and milk, that they would not be able to find their actual home. Um, snow so wild and so thick that you can't see your hand when you stretch it out. Like that's, I've never seen snow like that. Um, and so there are stories in the Midwest of farmers who freeze to death because they were so disoriented in a blizzard that they, because they couldn't see that they would lose sight of their own house and sometimes wander in circles in their own backyards without realizing how close they were to their house. Like, really heartbreaking stories of farmers freezing to death feet and inches from their front door because they didn't, or the door to their house because they didn't realize that they were so close to it. So in reaction to this, farmers came up with this practice of tying a rope uh, from the door to their house uh, to their barn. 
like a, a rope to tether the house in the barn so that you could walk kind of like a lead rope, like a guide rope, uh, so that you would always have something to grab onto so you could get forward and back in the event of a, if you were in your barn and a blizzard comes, you can get back uh, to your house. And, and as I was reading this story this week, it made me think about life lately, especially life in the last couple of years, and how I think there are a whole lot of us who have spent the last few years in essentially a theoretical snowstorm, an emotional or physical or spiritual blizzard, and how so many of us have, have lost our way or, or we feel like we're wandering around in disoriented circles emotionally and spiritually and physically. Um, and so on a side note, if, if this is you, and I, I want to talk specifically spiritually, if you feel really disoriented spiritually, you are not alone. You're not like a particularly bad version of Jesus follower because you're disoriented right now. That I sit with a lot of you a lot. We're all disoriented spiritually. For those of you who aren't, we need you. You're like a rope <laughs> for us. But if you're here and that's you, don't, that is so many. If, if the things that have worked for you spiritually before aren't working right now or you feel numb to right now, you're not nuts and you're not alone. So um, back on. Um, as I thought about blizzard, the blizzard of living a life in the last couple of years, it just kept, um, to me, it just kept leading back to what we do here on Sunday mornings and how as your pastor, my great hope is that what we do here uh, would exist like a rope tied between uh, the house and the barn. Uh, I, I think that's the, the mission of what we do, of our Sunday gathering, to guide us, to protect, to tether us to something full and something overflowing. A rope that leads us to God in the middle of a storm when we're struggling to find our way. Um, another side note, I am not a dictator on church attendance. I'm really not. If I see you at the grocery store, I swear to you, I am not ever thinking, I wonder when the last time they came to church was. Like, that's just not me. I'm just really not that person. Um, I, also, like, uh, I love things that people do on Sundays. I'm a big fan of the lake. I'm a big fan of camp. I'm a very big fan of staying in your pajamas in the morning for way too long. Um, I'm also a big fan of not getting in your car when it's rainy. I hate that. Like, I'm, I am with you on those things. This is not like a, a shame on Sunday fun sermon or a you need to come to church sermon. Um, this is a me trying to figure out what matters to uh, in this room sermon um, because the truth is it's a question we've been asking a lot as a staff when you go online for almost a year then it's a really big question of like what's the point in going back like what what happens on the uh, in Sunday morning what, what why do we do uh, what we do um, and maybe that's a question that you're asking to why does this matter uh, Sunday morning church gatherings, they used to be the only place that you could go to hear uh, worship or to get really sound good teaching or to be prayed for. Uh, but the truth is that's not really true anymore, right? Um, the, my mentor, she lives in Chicago, and um, she does healing prayer for infertility on Zoom now. And she used to do it in person, and she has all these wild and crazy stories of people getting pregnant. And now she does it on Zoom, and it's just her stories are still wild and crazy. Like, people are still getting pregnant, and she does it for people all over the world now. It kind of opened her up. Um, there's better worship music out there at the click of a button. That's no offense to Daniel and Stan and Brad and our band, who I think are, maybe there's not better, but there's as good as. Um, <laughs> um, it's produced, so they just, you know, it's, it's produced. That's why. Um, 
more personal, it is not very hard to find better teaching at all online. You can do that very quickly. It's a lot easier to find that. Um, but the truth is you can put a, together a pretty incredible worship service with Spotify and a podcast. And if you do that, you don't have to pass the piece and you don't have to listen through world's longest, most awkward announcements, especially when I'm given the mic to do them. That's why we started this video. Um, and so my question is, are Sunday gatherings still a necessary part of Sabbath? Are they, do they still... Um, in this day and age, act like a rope in the blizzard of life. If I can get what I need from church online, uh, then do we really need this? Um, so, spoiler, in the name of emotionally healthy spirituality, I think we still need this. And I've really thought about it. Here, here's why. Uh, um, there are some things that we do here in this room, some ropes that we can cling to here uh, that we can't really get uh, online or in other places. Um, Three things, I think, three Sunday gathering practices that I think uh, tether us in a really unique way to flourishing and full life. And listen, before I say these three things, someone please report me to my boss, who is Johnny Williams, um, for this. Because not only are it three things, but they all start with the letter C. Um, his name, his email is johnny.williams at vineyardchurch.us. Um, I'm trying to keep up with those good online pastors, and they always have three points, and they all start with the same letter. So... Three things. You can get most of Sunday gathering outside of these walls, but three unique and important ropes are this. Communion, connection, and capitulation. <laughs> that last one was a stretch. <laughs> I was going to say surrender, but then I looked at thesaurus.com for a C word, and I found <laughs> capitulation. So <laughs> you're welcome for my improved preaching skills. <laughs> Um, I want to look. I want to look at these really quickly. Um, here's what I mean by capitulation. I am talking about uh, surrender, submitting. <laughs> S words. They didn't fit very well. Uh, the truth is, showing up to a Sunday gathering, uh, it requires a pra- It is a practice of surrender. It's. It, it requires us to put on real clothes and shower. Some of us. No judgment. Uh, <laughs> I did it this morning. Um, it, it, it costs us time. It costs us sleep. They, they are a practice of, of surrendering to the convenience of time. Um, they, they don't happen at any point in the week when you want them to happen. It only happens here at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings or down the hill at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Or, you know, it, it, but it is. It's still a surrender to the convenience of time. I, I, if I'm really honest with you, I loved spending a, a lot of months on church online in my pajamas. Like, if you're at church online in your pajamas, you do not have to wear shoes and you do not have to work in the nursery. And no, no one dreams about working in kids' ministry or being on a setup team or an usher team. Actually, I hope some of you do. Normally, if you dream about it, we hire you. Um, but, but volunteering to show up early and to do what I think Rodney's doing today, walk around the hallway with a walkie-talkie, it's a, it's a unique practice of surrender. A practice of what our text uh, today in Philippians 2 talks about. A practice of having the same mind of Christ Jesus. Practicing surrender and submitting. Again, that might be a stretch because Paul is talking about Christ submitting to death on a cross. And I truly hope church does not feel like uh, death. But, but it is. I believe that practice is small steps in order to grow how you want to grow and to become who you want to be. And to me, um, showing up here for this is a way to take small steps, a way to submit ourselves to the practice uh, of surrender. It's not the only way. It's just a way. 
Um, and I think showing up here, or sorry, second thing. I think uh, Sunday gatherings offer us uh, sort of a unique perspective on connection. Um, I've quoted Brene Brown a lot when I introduced Passing the Peace, but I read an article uh, with her in it a few years ago, and um, she said one of the few reasons that she keeps showing up to church on Sunday mornings was to pass the peace. And if you've been here very long, you know that we are very serious about peace passing in this room. And we're serious about this because I believe so strongly that it's not a small thing. It's not just three minutes to high-five someone. Uh, Legitimately, someone today ended passing the peace in tears because it was this really uh, beautiful moment. To me, passing the peace, I believe, is like a rope that tethers us to each other on one side and tethers us to God uh, on the other side. And for some of you, especially the introverts in the room, it is a big practice of surrender, a big practice of, of dying to yourself for the good of this room and for the good of the world. And um, there's a rabbi that talks about uh, what we learn about God's presence through the energy of authentic connection with one another. That there are things we can only learn about the presence of God by connecting uh, with each other. And so in this room, we shake hands and we pass the peace of Jesus uh, to people we might disagree with on everything outside of this room. That's, to me, what makes it unique. Um, These days, people come uh, to almost every single place that they go uh, with labels. Right now, you're mask, or or you're anti-mask, you're vaxxed, you're anti-vaxxed. I mean, we have labels always that we show up with all the time. Our culture spends its days putting us and everyone we know into categories. But here, we on purpose practice the piece of breaking down the categories. And we do it because that's what Jesus did. Jesus was always in the business of tearing up the categories in order to make everyone more human. Uh, As our verses say, he did this even with his own self. You interact with people everywhere in your life that you disagree with. That isn't unique just to this room. Um, But there's something so very Sabbath to me about passing the peace in disagreement. And so here, that's why we do it every week. We practice the surrender of Jesus by passing peace. Uh, We pass peace in order to uh, complete the joy, verse 2 of our text today. Because peace, it evens the playing field of like-mindedness. Which is uh, what Paul tells us is the goal of a completed joy. That it evens the playing field of like-mindedness as we walk uh, in the same love across the aisle to one another. It's a good practice. For some of us, an uncomfortable practice, but a good practice, and I think a crucial one. And finally, um, last thing is communion. Um, In our months exclusively online, the thing that I missed most was the table. Uh, We did it at home, you know, with tortillas or whatever we could find and a bottle of red wine that stayed in the fridge way too long. Actually, the wine started to taste like our snack packs eventually. It got so bad. Um, But, and and honestly, like, there were some really, really sweet moments of communion with my family. Huck became, like, our high priest, and he uh, served communion to everyone. It was precious, this child who barely understands it, looking you in the eye, saying, body and blood of Jesus. I mean, it was truly, truly uh, precious. Um, But at home, um, it it cost me a different set of things. Um, But the difference of home and here is that at home, I didn't have to walk down those stairs to this table trying to figure out if I believe the gospel enough to stand here and offer it to you. And at home, you didn't have to walk down this aisle 
and wonder if you believe the gospel enough to come take this bread and, and, and come take this wine. And at home, I didn't have the moment of looking you in the eyes and saying, body of Christ broken for you and blood of Christ poured out for you. And you looking back at me and together doing what verse 12 talks about, together in a moment working out our salvation with fear and trembling or for some of you crying or Dee Doolin, if you know her, just pure giggles every single Sunday or, or hand squeezes between the two of us. There is something for me that is so unique about this moment in our gatherings when your breath and my breath start to mix together and we show up to each other as family and we show up to the table as sons and daughters of the king, holy and blameless and relentlessly loved, even if we're only believing it for just a second. The Eucharist here, it requires a courage that few places in my life uh, require. It's a, it's a courage, a practice that tethers me to you as family and tethers me to Jesus as Lord. Uh, there's a girl that's been visiting our church some for the last couple of months, and um, she has no church background at all. She's like this unicorn. I'm obsessed with her. Um, <laughs> she has no church baggage. She has no bad experience. She has, just has no uh, church background. She has no clue what she thinks about Jesus. And, um, and so we had lunch recently, and I was like, why, why do you come to church? Just like, th- I'm glad you do, <laughs> but, but like, wh- why? And, um, and if I'm really honest with you, I really wanted her to be like, because you're funny and cool. She did not say those. Um, that was not her answer. Um, but instead, uh, she gave a much better answer. She started crying, and she looked at me. I, I said, why do you come to church? She starts crying, and she says, communion. I've never seen anything like that anywhere. The, the table It's like a rope in a storm, tethering us to one another. Uh, Psalm 68 says, God puts the lonely into families. That is the table. And it tethers us to the relentless love of the God who is on our side, who is chasing after us, and who will not give up. And so uh, if you feel like you're in a blizzard, welcome to the party. Uh, My hope is that this gathering will, for you, stand like a rope. That's why we do what we do here in this room, why our staff does uh, what we do, why uh, Brad and Daniel and the whole band volunteer their time. They don't get paid. They get paid zero dollars. They volunteer their time, and so do kids workers and, and ushered everyone here. It's, it's why we sing and preach and pray and read the scriptures together. We do all of these things in order to point to this table where we surrender to the king where we find connection to the Father, through the Son, and through each other. It's where we, uh, the Spirit offers us an immersing, a, a baptism, a flood of love in the middle of a storm. So here's what I want to do. Uh, we take a Selah every week, and we just take a pause. And so my hope is, in this pause, um, we, let's just uh, use it to prepare us for where we're headed, to prepare us for the table uh, together. And we'll just take a few minutes and be quiet. Um, just a note, if you're hearing, like, shame on you, you should go to church more, I just really don't think that's the voice of the Spirit. I don't think that's the voice at all. Um, but if you're hearing a draw, if you're hearing that there are ropes that you can grab on to, I think that's the voice of the Spirit. It's very, very different. So, um, yeah, let's, let's, let's take Salem and prepare for the weight of what we're about to do. Uh, so if you'll pray with me, and there'll be verse on the screen. You can follow along if that's helpful.
So Holy Spirit, we ask you in these moments, would you give us uh, the courage? We say this a lot, but will you give us the courage to look inside ourselves? Will you uh, give us the courage to be honest about what we see? Will you show us places that we are um, completely disoriented in the middle of a blizzard walking around in circles, whether it's physically or mentally or spiritually or any of those? I pray that um, you would give us the courage to see ourselves as a whole person, Uh, not just a body, not just a mind, not just a spirit, but a whole person. And I pray... uh, I pray that you would flood us with love in the middle of our honesty. In your name we pray. Amen.